we are in the middle of a series uh, today, uh, we started beginning of the month on building and living a life of no excuses. Tell your neighbor, no excuses. Our main text is Jeremiah chapter 1. We read from verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a youth because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have pointed to you this day over the nations, over the kingdoms, to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. We said that this book of Jeremiah, I think in many ways, particularly this chapter we are reading now and the portion of scripture we are reading, speaks to us on so many levels. Jeremiah, this book contains the prophecies of a minister who was called by God in the days of his youth. And when you read the book of Jeremiah, you know that Jeremiah was a heartbroken prophet with a heartbreaking message to his generation because he was called into ministry at a time when the nation of Judah was really not doing well in terms of the way they were living. He ministered at the time when King Josiah was the king in Judah, but he was the last of the godly kings in Judah. And so Nehemiah, Jeremiah rather, ministered in this time of Judah's darkest hour. God raises this young man, this young prophet, and he throws himself into the work of God, preaching as hard as you can with all the persecution and hardships that faced him. But he stood his ground and boldly proclaimed a message from God to a generation that was a stiff-necked generation. And during his long ministry, God warned the people, God assigned him to warn God's people of the catastrophe that would befall the nation because of their idolatry and because of their sin. And Nehemiah lived to see that catastrophe happened. He saw the fall of Jerusalem under King Nebuchadnezzar. He saw the destruction of the city. He saw the destruction of the temple. Even God's people were taken into exile. And he saw many things happen at that time. And so he even foretold that the people would eventually return. And he lived to see the people come back from exile. And he lived to see the restoration of the nation. But his ministry was a difficult ministry. And he felt very disqualified because when God spoke to him, he told God, how can you call me? I'm a young person. I'm just a young person. And how can you call me? You know I can't speak. See, every one of us here, when God calls you for any mission, God is fully aware of things that you feel are not so right in your life. Maybe you may feel that you are not qualified. You don't have the gifts. You may feel that you're not as eloquent. You're not as bold. By the way, when God came to you, 
He was aware of all of that. But God says to Jeremiah, what will make the difference is that I am with you. I will touch your mouth. I will anoint you. God is saying to Nehemiah, your birth is not an accident. I knew you before you were born. In fact, the reason your mom and dad did what they did is because there was a mission that was waiting for you. Can I hear an amen in this house? So Jeremiah being very young, he was very overwhelmed by the task that God had given him. And he says to God, no way. I don't know how to speak. I'm just a youth. There's no way I can pull it off. And God in essence is saying to him, don't say that. Don't come up with any excuse. I'm not going to take any of your excuse. If my finger points your way, all you need to say is to say, yes, Lord, I will do it. And sometimes we come up with excuses because we also sometimes may feel like we are not qualified. Somebody said excuses are tools of the incompetent. And those who specialize in them seldom go far. Ben Frankel wrote, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. So in this series, we want to challenge ourselves not to be people who make excuses. See, an excuse is simply an explanation that frees us from taking responsibility or it frees us from blame or fault. But you know, we can come up with all excuses. Jeremiah tried to cook up some excuses. His first excuse was the task is demanding. And then he says, look, my, my talent is not adequate. Then he says to God, I'm just a youth. The time is not right. Then he says, but God, you are sending me at a time when things are dangerous. And then finally he says, can I, can I just postpone? Should I really go now? And we all come up with all excuses. And so last week we, we sort of talked about why is it that we make excuses? First of all, we found out that sometimes it's because we are afraid. You know, fear comes to all of us. And when we're afraid, we make all kinds of excuses. Sometimes it's because we don't want to fail. Failure, you know. But we learned last week that failure is part and parcel of our journey. Thirdly, we make excuses sometimes because of uncertainty. It means we are worried about the unknown events or the circumstances that would come. We saw how the Bible says that we should not be double-minded in the book of James. Also, sometimes we make excuses because we have no clear vision. There are no specific goals. So, you know, we just launch ourselves into life hoping that things will happen and we're really not so sure what's going to come about. But then we also found out we make excuses because of mistakes, you know. Sometimes we are scared to make mistakes and we concluded by realizing that sometimes we make excuses because of comparison. We compare ourselves with other people. Tell your neighbor, no excuses. Tell your other neighbor, no excuses. Now, today, we want to answer this question. Why is it important for us to stop making excuses? Why is it so important for us to stop making excuses? Because, you know, we, we can get into the habit of making excuses until we get to a point where you make an excuse for making an excuse. Anybody knows what I... Have you ever been there where, you, where, you know, sometimes somebody, you can tell something that's not true and you have to explain the explanation. Anybody has ever been in that situation? And, and we can make so many excuses. The first thing, why it's so important for us to make, to stop making excuses is that excuses prevent us 
from reaching our full potential. If we make excuses. When we make an excuse, you, in short, you are not giving yourself a shot to succeed. See, you'll never know what you're capable of doing if you excuse yourself every time you are supposed to do something. You'll never know. You know, there are times when you just need to throw yourself at your mission. Just jump in on the deep end. Sink or swim, just jump in. You may just go somewhere. But you know, sometimes we make excuses and it prevents us from reaching our full potential. In Judges chapter 6, God sends an angel to go and speak to Gideon. Verse 11 reads, The angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebith tree, which was in Ophrah, which belongs to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said, O Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now note verse 14 and 15. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Can I hear an amen? amen. See, Gideon is trying to come up with a reason why he believes God got the wrong person. You know. And like I said earlier, remember, when God came to you, when God came to me with that assignment, he knew what our problems are. He knows that you can't speak. He knows that you're not confident. He knows you didn't finish school. He knows you don't have enough money. He knows that you feel intimidated by other people. But God has come to you anyhow. And he's saying to Gideon, Gideon, the reason you'll be able to do what I've said you will do is because I will be with you. Tell your neighbor, the Lord will be with you. Tell your other neighbor, the Lord will be with you. The Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. And so we need to understand that when God tells us, we need to not make any excuses. And, you know, and when you read the Bible, you note, it looks like there are very, very few people that when God called them or assigned them, there are very few of them who said yes first time around. All of them came up with excuses, including Moses. To an extent that Moses even asked God, who am I? I mean, if you don't know who you are, then you are in really big trouble. He said, who, who, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and tell him, and finally, he says to God, you know I can't speak. And it's only God, really, who chooses people who can't speak and sends them to a short-tempered king by the name of Pharaoh. Only God does those kind of, kind of things. I mean, this guy will kill you at the drop of a head. 
Now imagine when you are standing in front of him, stammering, and you, and you are bringing a message that's not a blessing at all. You are coming to him and say, the Lord said you must let my people go. And you, you, are, you are not so great in saying it. Only God does those kind of things. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, only God calls people who seem not to be qualified. No wonder Paul says in the book of Corinthians, it's not really the strong. It's not really the wise. But God takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So if you feel that you don't have what it takes, yet God is pointing in your direction. God is simply giving you a coded message that your assignment will not be fulfilled because of how great you are, but because of how great God is. Can I hear an amen? Oh yeah. So if God is pointing your direction, don't make any excuses. Don't make any excuses. Sometimes the visions God gives to us, we feel that it's too big. It's too demanding. You know, when we assign the pastors to go to the different areas, some of them said, do you think I'll make it? And I found out it is those who ask if they will make it who somehow they are able to make it. So explore the fullness of your potential and not make any excuses. Number two, when we make excuses, excuses will hold us back. See, excuses hold us back from a lot of things including going further in your career, getting healthier, creating new relationships. It just holds you back. Excuses can limit every area of your life. I was telling them in the first service, I hope I'm going to be able to tell this without laughing as much as I laughed in the first service. You know, I have a spukulu who sometime years ago came to me and said, Malume, you know, I'm going to be a vegetarian because, you know, I need to deal with my weight. I need to deal with my health issues. I'm going to be a vegetarian. This was around October, several years ago. I said, I'm, I'm not eating any meat. I'm, not, I'm just a vegetarian. I said, wow, praise the Lord. You know, you're a vegetarian. <laughs> and then, here we are, Christmas time. <laughs> and I see my stuholu eating meat and all that. And I said, ah! What's going on? And my stockholder said, no, 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 Maloma, I've decided I'll start next year with the vegetarian. <laughs> and if I may tell you, this is several years ago, and my stockholder has never been a vegetarian since that time. <laughs> but excuses hold us back. Excuses can limit your life. And unfortunately, we end up getting trapped in a cage of our own making. Because we make excuses. In Numbers 13, Moses sends 12 men to go and spy out the land of Canaan. And God had told them, I'll be with you. God had told them, the land is yours. I'll be with you. I'll be your strength. I'll be your shield. I'll be your everything. Numbers 13, 31 says, the men who had gone up, with him said, we're not able to go up against the women, the, the people rather, for they are stronger than we. Verse 32. Then they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we had gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. You know, sometimes when you make excuses, you even exaggerate. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Tell your neighbor, yeah, you are not saying amen because you know he's talking about somebody that you know, right? 
says it's a land that devours its inhabitants. Note, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, that came from the giants. Now note what they said. This is very telling. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. No, 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 no. Man, listen to this. They, they didn't say the grasshoppers looked at us and said, the, the giants looked at us and said, you are grasshoppers. That's not what they said. The giants never said anything. They are the ones. Read it, read it. It says, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. What it means is, however you see yourself, that's how your enemy sees you. Oh, yeah. So they, they are saying we are like grasshoppers. So what happens? Their reasoning holds them back. Their grasshopper mentality holds them back. You know, when I was telling them in the, in, the, in the first service that one of the things I really thank God about with the Word of Faith movement, as long as, as much as there's been many mistakes that have been made, many sermons that were preached that I don't think are correct and so on. But one of the things I love that has happened the last few years in terms of the Word of Faith movement for the last few years is that we started having preaching that challenges us to take responsibility for our lives. I don't know about you, Vazalana, but we had gotten into a state where we were like, you know, if anything's going to happen, it will happen because God wants it to happen. Now I understand what we mean by that. But it was like we are relegating our lives to luck and coincidence. You know, it's almost like if God wants it to happen, it will happen anyhow. I don't have to do anything myself. So wherever I am, that's where God has placed me and there's nothing I can do about it. Up until I read in the New Testament, I don't know how many of you know, in the New Testament there are 13 major miracles that Jesus performed. 13. 12 of them, Jesus did not initiate the healing. Go and read it. Of the 12 of them, it wasn't Jesus who went to the people and said, do you want to get healed, comrade? <laughs> Jesus never did that. Instead, of the 12 of them, they are the ones who took the initiative to go to Jesus. Yeah, they are the ones. They are the ones. The woman with the issue of blood, she took the step. Blind Bartimaeus, she took the step. Jairus, he took the step for the daughter. What about the Syrophoenician woman, the Greek-speaking woman? In her case, it was even more. When she came and said, my little daughter is sick, please pray for her. Jesus says, I can't take the children's bread and give it to dogs. Or oh, you think this lady is going to make an excuse and go and say, you see, I told you it won't work. I tried, it didn't work. See, that's why I'm like, no, 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 no. She just said, yeah, I understand I'm a dog. Mara, even the dogs there, they get the crumbs that fall from the table. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you see, what I love is we were placed with a challenge that we need to take the step. See, when it comes to God, God still tells us to believe. Jesus still tells us, ask and you will receive. Knock, it shall open. See, but excuses tell us, I'm where I am because this is what God has assigned me to be and there's nothing I can do with my life. And I think in this nation, we need to say that more and challenge ourselves to never come up with excuses. 
We may not be responsible by here, so for our background, and of course it might not be the best of backgrounds, but we truly, by all means, shouldn't allow ourselves to be paralyzed by our background. I said we can move forward in the name of Jesus. Yeah. But excuses will always hold us back. You know, we were driving somewhere, and I won't, I won't I'll tell you straight, I thought I won't tell you, but we were, we were driving this side yesterday with Mama, we went past Maponya Mall, the other side of the, uh, the hostel here, the Ninefield Hostel. And we were driving past there. There were, there, were, there, were, there were guys there who put tires on the, on the, on the, on the tar, on the road. They were going to burn the tires. You know? I don't know, some protest action of some sort. You are so quiet like you were, pa- you were participating in that. <laughs> it's like you were all part of that. Really, really, they... They had, I'm being honest with you, they had tires, tires, they put tires on the road, they're going to set them alight. We had to drive around. As we drove past, hey, mama was so angry. And she said, see what our communities do? Huh? See what we do? Huh? Yeah, even the children are saying amen. You're right, my dear. <laughs> huh? We, we're going to burn the street because we, we have something that we're, not ha- unhappy, that we're unhappy with. So I'm going to mess up the tar. And then when there's potholes there, then we'll be the very ones now who will be toy-toying. That way are they? Yeah, I say, please, I need those hands. I need those hands. They're not done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bless you. Bless you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but we live in communities that will burn down the library because they're unhappy with something. And then, then, then toy-toy because they don't have a library. Yeah. Kana was this area in Limpopo where there was big, do you know that whole area? Vuane. How many schools did they burn in Vuane? It looks like you know. <laughs> you were involved, my brother, eh? You were not involved. How many schools? 20, 20 how many schools? Eh? They burned down 23 schools in Vuane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 23 schools in Vuane. I remember we went past that place. I've been there several times. Not many of those have been rebuilt. Okay, so now we're going to, now, we're not now going to, yeah. We can't go on like that. Come on now, I know you don't like my sermon, but you better clap. Otherwise, I'll think that you're one of those who are in one. Yeah. But excuses will always hold us back, I'm telling you. Psalm 78 talks about the children of Israel. Verse 40, it says, how often they provoked God in the wilderness and they grieved him in the desert. Verse 41, yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. We can limit our own progress. We can limit what God wants to do. Why? Because of excuses. Because of excuses. How often did God want to take us to another level, but we came up with excuses. Number three, excuses thirdly bring regret. They bring regret. If you make an excuse to not do something, there's a big chance you'll end up regretting not doing so. You don't want to look back at your life one day and say, I wish. You, 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 you don't want that. 
You know, in life, you, you, may, you may start on the same program with somebody. Both of you, same background, same everything, same age, same everything. Start together. And the one person pursues it. And several years later, they are way ahead. And when you think about it, we all started together. But they are far ahead. And, and in their life, they didn't have one thing more than what you had. They didn't have more money. There were no extra days in their, in their year. Huh? The angel Gabriel didn't come and sit at their bedside. There's nothing extra. They went to the same church, to the same pastor. The same hands were laid on their same, the same heads they have. They had the same whips. They had the same everything. They had the... Everything. That's what Jesus is teaching in Mark chapter 4. The sower goes out, sows the word, preaches the word. But what happens? The results of the word are not the same. Are not the same. Some seed falls by the wayside, so it doesn't produce. Some seed falls among thorns, and it gets choked. Some seed falls on stony ground, so it grows for a while. When the sun comes up, when problems come up, that's the end of it. But then some seed produces. Even the one that produces is not the same to the same degree. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. Even in producing. Yeah. You can have children raised by the same parents. Same house. Yeah. You can have students attend the same class. You can have church people listen to the same pastor. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I tell you, same. Same. And, and, and the sad part is when you try to talk to the person who hasn't really gone very far, when you ask them, their first thing is to give you excuses. No, Shukut, I will understand. I will understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what happens. When we live lives of excuses, we, we will get to it. And the problem is it leads to regret. We don't want to be at a place in our lives where we regret. So whatever it takes, let's take the step. Can I hear an amen in the house? Can I hear an amen in the house? See, if you sit back and do nothing, there's equally a big chance that you will regret not knowing how to turn things around. So rather try something and fail at it. Because if you try, there's a big chance you may get it right. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a big chance. We read a very sad story in 2 Samuel 18. It's a sad story for me. Because when you go back a few chapters, you know that King David didn't have such a great relationship with his son Absalom. For whatever reason, their relationship was not very great. They had tension and all kinds of things. And even Absalom didn't really behave in a way that was good. And finally, one day Absalom died. And when David hears about the death of Absalom in 2 Samuel 18, verse 33, listen to the way he cries about it. And the king was deeply moved, went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he wept, he said thus, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if I had died in your place, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. He never told his son when he was alive that he loved him. Yeah. Now he's faced with that. You know, as, as, a, as, a, as a pastor, you know, when I go to funerals, I know that there's many reasons why people cry the way they cry. 
And you know, it's very sad when you get to that point when you realize you could have done better, you could have been there more. And then so we try to really make it up by buying this very big expensive casket, you know, just to show how much we love them. And and I'm almost sure if that person was to rise from the dead, they would say, I would rather you had given me this money, all of this money to look after me than to bury me in this expensive thing. I'm gone. You don't like my sermon. I can see you don't like my sermon. But I'm just trying to explain to you. Do what is right whilst you still have the power to do so. Tell your child you love them. Tell your husband you love him. Tell your wife you love her. Tell your parents you love them. Tell your leader I appreciate you. Do it whilst you're still here instead of having to go through regret. And please, if we've done mistakes in the past, let's not beat our heads on the head over it. Let's just accept and move on. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? amen? Number four, if you make excuses, you'll settle for less in your life. And we will never settle for less. We know there's more. Than... Settling for less is simply complacency. If you make excuses to not move up in life, you'll stay in a mediocre position. That keeps you content at best. And complacency is a very sad thing because regardless of what's thrown at you, you'll just look at it and not move. Complacency and indifference are cousins. They relate. Yeah, there are people who are never, you know, it's just, life is just okay for them. They're never angry, they're never happy, they're never sad, they're never glad, they're never, they're never anything, they're just okay. They're never in a hurry. They're never slow. They're just okay. Everything's fine. They're never concerned. You know, even if life's not moving, it's fine. Ever since they're in that same place, they're okay. You are the one who says, Mama, and they look at you with those eyes like, so what? <laughs> Why are you both? <laughs> oh, I, was, I was driving behind a guy like that yesterday. Oh, jeez. So, you know, I, I was, we were coming from somewhere. So I'm going home, you know, and I, I, I've, got, I've got things to do. Bro, no, I wasn't driving over speed. <laughs> I was driving over speed. I mean, it's, it's 60 kilometers per hour maximum on this. The brother's driving at 35 kilometers per hour. Serious. On the right lane, Nohal. This side is the taxi, this side is him. That's when you are tested if you're a Christian or not. <laughs> Anybody knows what I'm talking about? I tell you. And so I try to move to the left, and then he moves fast. Do you know those people? How many of you are sitting next to one of those right now? So when I come behind him, then he slows down. It's the taxi here, it's him here. And thank God, finally he was going to bar. He was going to see somebody at bar. I thank God for that. Whew! Jesus, I just can't imagine following this guy all the way to where I'm going. So you find sometimes even in their lives, they're like that. Even if things are not working, they're like that. Children are hungry, they're fine. They got married with they got married with somebody. Ever since they stay in a room, they've got five children in a room. They don't want to build a house, even if they can build a house, they're okay. They're not worried. The wife is saying, "Si akanini uti haiwen." Sinendula. 
building a home is their sense of wanting more you know if you were to live if you were to live it no i'm being honest i'm i'm just being honest i'm just being honest i'm just being honest you know if if it was left to me as a guy we would stay in one room one room yeah of course you can sleep on the bed the kids can go under the table this room but the ladies are not like that they want their house and then after you bought a house then they want to change the kitchen no but there's a kitchen there's a kitchen hear me so but there's a kitchen next thing we must buy a car next thing they want to change the kitchen i said there's nothing wrong with this right I tell you that's what you learn that no they want more and there's nothing wrong with wanting more that's beautiful as long as you don't overdo it now as long as you don't overdo it yeah i've often wondered you know next time to repent what's wrong with this paint yeah <laughs> i think if life was to be left with us as guys serious you you stay in one room with that car You know that car that needs a miracle to start and a miracle to stop. You know that car, eh? If they say let's go to Pretoria, you are saying I wonder if Rutla fit. Anyone knows that car, eh? Eh? Chance we drive it in Melis Gupsa or Eliko Putin. Every 2 kilometers you must open the boot to select you know call. We men we are okay with that ladies. We are good. We're fine. We don't want anything more marana. Abaraha, dishomitsa ga ditlarengetsa maga scroko seso. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's close. Number 5. If you give if you come up with excuses you, you won't challenge yourself. Because we need to push ourselves and challenge ourselves. We've got to take a bigger step in our lives. Number 6. I've got two more to go. If you don't challenge you if you come up with excuses it will keep you from growing. Because you see For for you to grow you have to go through challenges you have to learn how to manage certain things it's tough you have to learn you really have to learn your excuses help you to live with failed expectations that you already had for yourself so if you never expected yourself to grow in the first place you certainly won't grow if you keep on adding excuses and finally this one is the sad one If you are full of excuses as a parent, you're going to teach your children the bad habit of making excuses. 
I'm telling you. Yeah. Some of us ever since we promised our children things and we don't do it. And every time they ask you, you have a big excuse. To a point that the children already know that even if they say something, doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Doesn't mean anything. You know, even if you promise them I'm going to buy, they just sit with their friends. Well, which you loyal? Will they do it? I don't know. But then when they grow up, they learn to make excuses. There's nothing as sad as that. When you have a family that knows how to explain. And the people who make excuses, they, they kind of understand each other. Or no, you are making excuses now. <laughs> I can feel you because I know I've said those things as well. But if you are a leader, you raise an organization of people full of excuses. You raise a nation full of excuses. You raise a community full of excuses. You become friends that are full of excuses. So even if we said we are going to meet at such and such a place on such and such a day, you know you are not going to go. You know, even if you said it, you said somebody, no, no, end of the month, I will repay you. So you don't like my sermon anymore, right? Yeah. And we know we're not going to do it. You know, it's, it's been very strange for me how people can... You know, we've had people come work for us. They're coming to fix something. Maybe the person fixes something, and then you phone them and you agree. They are coming on such a date at such a time. And then the, then the day comes, and they're not there. And then you phone them, and their phone goes gone voicemail. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Or it rings, and said, so the, the subscriber of this phone is not available. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? And then you phone them, and they go, Ah, oh, no. And I'm thinking, Mara, were you aware we had an appointment? No, I had to go somewhere else. I'm thinking, but why didn't you phone? Why didn't you phone? At least, why didn't you do a please call me? If you were saving your units. Why didn't you make a please call me? But you realize this person doesn't even understand why you are upset. They don't understand because to them, even if they said they will be coming on that day, they just decided to go somewhere else and it's normal. And they, they will explain. And you can hear even when they're explaining, they're expecting you to understand the explanation and you mustn't be upset. Once you are like that, I tell you, you, you take that to your job. I tell you, you will. You, you, you get a great job and a great opportunity and you'll bring that attitude into it. And then when they return to you, you won't understand why. You know, you, and even when they explain, well, one room. you can say the person doesn't understand. What have I done? People don't know. What, what have I done? Because giving excuses has become part of their DNA. But God doesn't let us do that. God makes us take responsibility for our lives. Even that day when we stand before God, remember? Everybody. God's going to ask us, what did you do with our life? No, no, no. We, we, we can't say no, 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 no. no. God said no, no, no. Because remember, God not only knows what happens, he knows our thoughts, our attitude. He knows what we were thinking at the time. He'll play a short video clip and say, you see here? You see, look how you were thinking. Look in your brain, yeah. So you can't say that. And we'll never have any excuse. 
That's why the Bible says today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For this is the acceptable time. In other words, do something about your life instead of making excuses. Tell your neighbor, no more with excuses in my life. No more. Tell the other one, no more with excuses in my life. Father, we want to thank you that we're, going to make any, we're not going to make any excuses in our lives. We're going to make sure we take responsibility for our lives. We're not going to let ourselves down and let you down. We're going to obey the voice of the Spirit. We're going to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And we will not allow ourselves to make any excuses. Our heads bowed, please. Our eyes closed, if you can. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, please. We want to pray right now. We want to pray right now. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you are here today and you want to invite Jesus Christ into your life to be the Savior and the Lord of your life, and you're saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Change me, make me a child of God. You want to take responsibility for your life today. You see, your life is not going in the right direction. It's not pleasing to God. You are not sure about what's going to happen to you when you leave this world. And as you've been listening to God's word, you realize God can change my life. And you want to invite Christ into your life and you need prayer. Would you raise your hand if that's you? You say, you know what? I want to make things right with God today, right now in this place. Raise your hand. Let me see it. Right where you are, I want to pray for you. Just raise it up. Just raise it up in this place. Just raise it up right where you are. Father, we want to thank you today in the name of Jesus for your people. Just stand if you've raised your hand. Just stand. Can you stand, my brother, please? Stand right where you are. Stand all over. Stand all over if you raised your hand. All right. This is what it's about. It's about receiving Christ as Savior and Lord. And make him in the Lord of your life. I want to pray for all of you. Because this is such an important decision. Can you just make your way to the front? Can you come from where you are and come stand here? And as you come, take your belongings. Don't leave your belongings behind, alright? Just come. Don't sit back down. Just come. Let's pray together. Come right now.